Podcast Network Asia. You know, when you think about a key in the world, what does it do? Like, what do you use? It opens stuff. It opens something. It locks something. There you go. It has to do It scrapes a car. It (laughs) scrapes. It's a deadly weapon. (laughs) So the question is, what is the opening? Right. That's the key. Pun intended. All right. (laughs) That was good. In Luke chapter 11, verse 52, when he's saying, woe to you, woe to you, he says, you take away the keys to knowledge. Now think about what a key does. It opens and it shuts things. Mm -hmm. What is a parable? A parable is something that has a secret truth within it. And only the person who understands the parable can actually explain it to others. So when Jesus spoke the parable, he did it in a way that was secret. But then what did he give to Peter? He gave him the knowledge and the understanding of the figurative language. You have now learned all the figurative language within the parables and to be able to use it to open up. You now have the ability to unlock the prophecies of Revelation. Instructor Aaron, have you ever been on a diet? I mean, I know I gave you like zero heads up about this question, but... (laughs) We've never really met you in person. And, you know, the you that we see on screen, like you seem very lean and you seem very fit. And I mean, I'm asking because Tina and I recently just, you know, went on this low carb thingy. And I'm sorry, it's so annoying because I don't want to be that person who's going low carb and telling everyone and their mother that they're going low carb. But here we are. Um, <laughs> the keto is that what it is you're going for the keto style and, you know i mean keto is like the extreme <laughs> right kind right of yeah. like zero carbs right but we're doing yeah. low. i tried that uh, i tried keto once instructor aaron and guess how many guess what i lost what's that my mind <laughs> my mind yeah exactly i was just saying <laughs> a so diet have huh? you yeah well i guess just recently i've had to start thinking more about it just because i'm now it's kind of, I mean, I guess I'll just say I'm, I'm turning 48 this year, you know, which yeah. is pretty, pretty up there. And the body starts to tell you, but up until recently, I haven't had to worry too much about any of that. I lose weight very, very quickly. Are used to, anyway, my metabolism was so really? fast. Oh, you're one of I know. Places. And people look at like, Oh, wow. poor you, poor you. you know, I, yeah. I hate you for that. But in reality, as a guy, it was more difficult because you, you can't keep weight on. So you look really skinny and people always ask you, Oh, you're feeling okay. You look kind of, you know, cause I look mm. more pale. If I don't pay attention, if I don't, you know, work out or, or eat properly, then I do, I look really skinny and people always are asking if, you know, Oh, you, you, are you doing okay? Like your clothes don't <laughs> fit as well anymore. You know, they, you feel like they're, the clothes are wearing you instead of you wearing the clothes, that type of thing. Um, but just recently I've been more cautious about what I eat. So I'm trying not to drink as much like sodas with, you know, sugars and things like that. I'm trying to um, maybe eat more unprocessed foods and things just because I know that as I get you know older there was something that I read recently or is it maybe I heard it anyway it said uh, eat your food as your medicine when you're young so that way otherwise you're going to be eating your medicine for your food when you're older oh okay yeah 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 you guys don't look like you need a diet I mean both of you what are you talking about <laughs> okay instructor Aaron uh, we're very deceiving like that especially me because my <laughs> legs are tiny Okay, I swear. but Tina, you, you though, you are skinny. She is instructor Aaron. I mean, she just jumped on this because I said I wanted to do it. Like I, I need to lose quarantine pounds. Quarantine. I think we all like put on weight because of the quarantine and stuff. And I mean, I really just went all out. I ate whatever I wanted late night. Tteokbokki. I went Korean right. fried chicken every day. Like I didn't care. <laughs> and you know, it was a blast. 
but mm. I think I need to shut down this party. Anyway, does that hey. have anything to do with what we're talking about today? No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, I'm Samo. That's Tina Ryan. And of course, Instructor Aaron Russo is here. Instructor Aaron Russo is from New Heaven, New Earth, Shinshaji Church of Jesus. And we have been doing this Road to Revelation series where we talk about the figurative language in the book of Revelation, particularly. And it's really just a part of the testimony that you have in a new earth is sharing right now. And I look back to when we started this for the first time and it was eight months ago, wow. eight months ago. Yeah. yeah. And finally today we are going to talk about the last of the parables, although that's yeah. really, again, just the beginning part of the testimony that you guys are sharing. Right. And so I was kind of reminiscing a little bit earlier, looking at, you know, our first few videos on road to revelation and i you know i saw burns who was on unboxing catholicism brother jay paul who was at the feast feast by the way like started back up physically gathering and stuff like that and then of course you know insta harry and insta abby and now you are here like it's been quite the journey guys yeah. how yeah. rounder was your face back then was it rounder? no it's rounder now is what i <laughs> it's the whole point of the low carb tina <laughs> Thank you for reminding me, actually. Yes. Yeah. It was like my fifth inspiration to look at old Road to Revelation videos. Okay. And yeah, we're here. At, at, we're doing the last parable. And I don't know. I'm 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 feeling a little like nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. I am. I am. And I'm not sure, also, you know, full disclosure, like once we're done with all the parables, because the next parts of the testimony are all online now mm. because you guys are doing your own online seminars so this material is all on there and they're translated to many different languages and so mm. you know all this stuff is accessible and i don't know i kind of feel like things are a little bit like up in the air um but you know we'll, we'll sort that stuff out but i mean tina how do you feel like you know we're at the end the tail end literally okay. of the not literally but you know what I mean? First of all, I can't believe I lasted this long. <laughs> uh -huh. You always say that. Why do you say that? Seriously. And to uh, and for me to actually like um uh want more is just uh, uh -huh. I don't know. It seems like something's something's uh something's magically, you know, just um sort of um being put into proper what proper place or however you want to say that but you know i i don't even want to think of it as an end like maybe mm. the series right of but course we're of not course. i think it's like oh it's time for a new beginning what are we going to do next mm. right so i it think that's really exciting actually, kind of opens the door for a lot of other things just because the the language itself once you go through and you learn the figurative language then you can you can start to use it in different ways. I mean, that's the whole purpose of, of actually understanding the language so you could jump into Revelation, right? Yeah. You know what's like, funny, Instructor Aaron? <laughs> I finally read the book of Osea. Like, <laughs> the, <laughs> she, like, and she told me too, like, oh my gosh, I just read the book of Osea. Like, finally. first book I've ever read, like, ever. And I, wow. and like, given the, given the little understanding I have now because of the podcast thank you to the narrator i i mean i still didn't fully understand the whole book 
but mm. it felt nice that I'm like, oh, that's what that means. All <laughs> glory to God, right? All glory to God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There you All go. That's glory even better. to God. Yes. All right. Hallelujah. So, um, yes, speaking of all of this figurative language and understanding of the Bible and Tina and I were not entirely there yet, but we do have one last parable to discuss on this Road to Revelation series. So which one is it today, Instructor Aaron? But it's it's one that's kind of grown. The more recent way that they've taught it has kind of grown a little bit because it talks a lot about heaven and you know heaven and hell, a little bit like that. Uh, but the real understanding of it is talking about the key, like an actual key, you know, like when you think about a key that opens or shuts locks, that type of thing. There's keys inside of the, the Bible that are, you know, given to people at different times and things and used for different purposes. So understanding what that really means. So that's really what we're going to talk about today is the key and then how that pertains to heaven and, you know, even hell. I want this key, right? To heaven. Yes. Right. Not yes, to hell. it's, it's to definitely heaven. a key we all should desire, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. I want to know why I should desire this key. So yeah, where do we start? Well, uh, <laughs> understanding heaven and hell is really like probably one of the most important things that we can do inside of, you know, all these lessons that we do. And the way that the chairman describes it is if God is describing a cow, but you keep thinking of a chicken, you're never going to be on the right <laughs> on the same page. You know what I mean? You're never going right. to be thinking the same thought. So when someone talks about heaven or hell, and if you have a certain thought, but God is thinking of it in a different way, then you're never going to understand you know, what he wants or what he means. And so that's where I think it's really important for anyone who believes in God, that you come from a, a point of view where you have to, you know, really ask the question is, is my thoughts if, if what I'm thinking, is it the same thing that God is thinking at this particular moment, using it in this particular scripture? So that's why you always have to ask that question. So I think that's definitely something that I picked up during our conversations on the podcast it's like a lot of people have many different thoughts on the same things that we read in the bible and so maybe we should kind of shift our thinking into figuring out or being open rather to what god meant when he said xyz right mm. but then there's also that verse that you say often of like well god's thoughts are not your thoughts exactly right so you know how do i bridge the gap there yeah, that's that's a verse I think everybody should have on their wall, right? And you know, read that one before you get into any like when you're going to read the Bible, just <laughs> meditate on that one first, and then and then go from there. And the the other key is that we cannot figure out what God is thinking or what God desires until He makes it known. And this is another thing that people really have to come to understand. And in the past, actually, it was not uncommon, you know, for that kind of a thought. It was actually a very plain thought that only certain people were going to be able to receive knowledge from God. But nowadays it's like almost everybody feels like they can, you know, interpret God in their own way, right? They have their own personal relationship with God or Jesus. And, you know, I've had people talk to me and say that they are, you know, they have coffee with Jesus every morning. They have their coffee time and they, they talk to Jesus and, you know, they, they gain answers and things like that through that. And I never am one to say, you know, whether somebody is, <laughs> is having any kind of knowledge with God or anything like, okay, whatever they want to say is fine. But if that's the case, then you should be able to understand deep things about the Bible itself, not just about mysticism in the world or, 
um, just about like random thoughts about God, but more specifically, can you get answers about the Bible itself? And that's where you can really make that kind of definitive line as to whether or not someone is receiving what we call revelation, right? Mm -hmm. That revealing from God, from God, because it pertains to God's plan and God's purpose. So you can learn all kinds of stuff in the world and all kinds of stuff about, you know, um, spiritual things or mysticism and things of this nature. But if it doesn't help you to understand God's plan, then how valuable is that really? You know, it may be valuable to you, but not to God's work, not to the overall plan of God, which is, of course, recreation, revelation, you know, restoration, all of these types of things, God creating his kingdom. So that I think that's the most important. People need to start to realize that God works in a specific way. And he doesn't, he doesn't vary from that, that style that he's been doing from the very beginning. He has this particular way that he works through prophecy and fulfillment where he makes things known ahead of time. And because he is the creator, he has the ability to actually create things from nothing. So he can prophesy something and then literally make it come true. The devil cannot do that. And that's why he does it because he's trying to allow us to understand that there is one true God and many false gods. And some people get kind of upset at even hearing that, but that's literally in the scriptures. You can read it yourself. It's, you know, John 17 verse three, eternal life is knowing the one true God. The oh, fact that he says one true God, true yeah. God, that's the, that's what some people find offensive. One true God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Even Christians, even Christians, they don't sometimes don't like that because they don't want to think about a false God. They don't want to think that Satan has any kind of power whatsoever, ah. but it's, I mean, he does. That's all there is to it. Satan has the ability to control people that belong to him or don't belong to God. And the only way to know that you truly belong to God is if you fully understand God. Otherwise, it's like a guessing game and you don't want that, right? You don't want that. Right, so. right. A lot of this stuff, especially about like fit, um, prophecy and fulfillment, like these are new things that I've been hearing from New Heaven, New Earth, I got to say, right? Um, but I mean, it's been fascinating and I, I can't wait to hear about our last parable. Again, it's about heaven and hell and the keys to these places, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm saying these things because it has everything to do with the key, right? The key is something valuable. It's something that is special. It, it, you know, when you think about a key in the world, what does it do? Like, what do you it use? It opens stuff. It opens something. It locks something. There you go. It has it to scrapes do a car. It scrapes. <laughs> it's a deadly car. weapon. <laughs> so if it's something that's valuable to you, if it's like a lock box or a jewelry box or even your house, oh, you keep car, it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna know where those things are. You lose your keys, people get, you know, pretty frustrated. They want to know where these things are. And especially if they think they lose them outside somewhere where somebody else can get a hold of them, right? Because it's something it it holds the it holds the ability for somebody to unlock something valuable to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And maybe use it, you know, for their own benefit. So thinking about mm -hmm. it in that way, lock or unlock. And that's why I was saying that, you know, all these people that have all this, you know, knowledge that they say they receive in different ways and stuff, if it allows you to unlock the mysteries of God, then that's pretty amazing. And you should be able to give that to others too. You want to be able to testify that to others because that's the whole, you know, purpose that all people come to know the knowledge of God. 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's really what pleases God. Many people think of God in like a really destructive way in things um, that he's, you know, can't wait to get rid of sinners, but actually it's the opposite. It says God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, right? In the old Testament, it talks about that. And people say, oh, well, that's old Testament. God He's very vengeful, but actually in the old Testament, it says that God mm-hmm. takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And then in the new Testament in Timothy, it says, this is what pleases God, that all people come to the knowledge of truth. Right. So if you have that ability to receive that knowledge, your duty, right, your your objective should be for all people to know that truth. Because that's what God wants, too. Yeah. Amen. Right. Yeah. So that's why I was talking about that a little bit in the beginning to kind of preface, Okay, this key is super important, but it's not going to be something that's just given to anyone. Mm -hmm. Just like if you're leaving town. But you have, you know, we have pets, right? Tina, you got your dog and stuff, right? So if you have somebody who's going to be watching your dog when you go out of town, you're going to give them the key key to your house. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, Oh my goodness. Because we actually did this this week. I gave a key to my apartment to Tina. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Did you lose it? Did you lose it? (laughs) There you go. There's a moment. I don't know where I put it. Okay. Well, oh my <laughs> gosh, this woman. Are you serious? I I, it's somewhere. Oh my gosh. I think it's in my, I'll look for it after we record. Uh, oh, okay, I will there. deal with you later. Yes. After yeah, it's somewhere, right? somewhere. It's like, you know, and this is kind of interesting because this is something we could talk about in the future, wherever you lost it, that's where you have to go find it. Right. Yeah, right? it's not. But it doesn't that's have legs. the problem, instructor. What if you don't? Yeah, what if you don't know where you? Well, lost no, no, it? I get that. Of course, you got to. You know, maybe you can go mentally back and, and retrace your steps and things. But, but my point is, like, if you lose your keys somewhere, where do you have to find them? You have to go back to where you lost it. Well, that has a lot to do with God as well and God's plan. You know, we talk about the very beginning. What did God lose? He lost, you know, his kingdom, the Garden of Eden. That was what was destroyed. So eventually, what's you know, you come full circle. What's God going to recreate? He's going to recreate his kingdom. Yeah, exactly. Right. The Garden of Eden once again. So and that has everything to do with the key as well. Understanding because it's the key to heaven. And that's, you know, kind of where we can start is like, what is heaven? And I know you guys have talked about this a ton of times. So this shouldn't be even if the listeners have been listening for a while, they should be like, oh, okay, yeah, we've talked about heaven a lot. Right. So shouldn't be too difficult. But just like you said, you gave a key, not just to some random person, but to someone that you trust and that, you know, Right. You wouldn't just give it to somebody that you just saw and say, oh, that's my apartment. I'm leaving town for a week. You can go check it out anytime you want. Right. I mean, you don't know the person. You're not going to give them the key to your car, the key to your house, things like that. So the key is something very, very valuable. That's what we have to remember. And if it's a key that is belonging to God, then, of course, it'd be even more valuable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The key of keys, the the most the MVP of keys, you know. But then Satan's so, Satan's ha- Satan has a key too. Well, there's a key to heaven and a key to hell, but uh, but Satan there's Satan uses it. I'll put it that way. In Revelation, it is being used by something of Satan. So in Revelation nine, there's actually an entity that has the key to the abyss, right? Which is hell, right? The key to the abyss, and it belongs to Satan, uh, the the entity that's using it. So again, I'm just building up right now. Everybody's like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It makes <laughs> no sense. Of course, that's the fun part. This is why I like it. Ooh, it's you know, we're going out with a bang. It's the last one, guys. <laughs> right, right. But this is why I do this a lot for certain people that maybe don't feel like 
these lessons are really opening up too much truth because if you if you tell somebody ahead of time like just right away if you just tell them what it is a lot of times they'll feel like they already knew it it was so easy to understand oh i knew that so sometimes what i'll have them do is actually ask them questions ahead of time what they think this means and have them write it down even what is your thoughts about this what's your thoughts about this um, what have you heard about this right and then later when they're actually learning it from this open word proving that it's not something that was taught before but is now being taught because we're at this proper time then they can look back at their own notes as to what they they thought it was and then they can realize that they're receiving something special yeah. and that's really important you have to realize that this is something special it's not something that you can just figure out on your own it's not something that you know can just be randomly picked up places but it's something that is very precious that god is making known at this time today and this last lesson it allows people to really understand that now is the time when everything is you know open everything is open because god gave the key to someone amen that's exactly it you just hit the yeah the nail on the head that's exactly it if someone doesn't have the key then they can't open it so the question is what is he opening right that's the key <laughs> pun intended all right that's <laughs> that was good that was so good so going back to the beginning okay thinking about heaven so when you guys thought about heaven before you learned any of this stuff before you learned anything what were some of the thoughts that you had when when you thought about heaven what was like what was in your mind it's up in the air somewhere out yeah. there or it's, it's very cold. fluffy yeah, yeah. <laughs> i always thought about fluffy too right yeah right yeah but but there's the also clouds. parts of it yeah there's definitely like it's 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 made of clouds even maybe. Yeah. But then there's also parts of it that are like meadow, like endless meadow, because you hear that a lot from people who died and like went to heaven for five minutes or something. It's like they're flying over just beautiful flowers and grass and stuff like that. <laughs> Have you never heard that kind of testimony, if you will? Oh, I don't um, remember, but yeah, the clouds have to do yeah, for me, it's a lot of movies, a lot of books. They've already, you know, made things like yeah. that. The angels are there. St. Peter, St. Peter's waiting with a rooster before you, mm -hmm. you know, you have the to book. like. Most people, they think of it as something abstract and away. And the reason that is, is because of what happened originally, right? Because heaven wasn't meant to be something abstract in a way. This is what we have to understand about the Bible. Now, we're now coming to an understanding that. You know, science and religion, they don't have to fight. They really don't. But if you have this old way of thinking and you don't look at the scriptures in the proper way, then it's always going to be at, you know, at odds, right? They're going to, they're going to, you know, not clash. match well. They're going to, yeah, they're going to yeah. clash. Thank you. So if you understand that the Bible itself is not meant to be a history book of the entire universe, but is a history book of God and God's people, then it opens up the door to start understanding what heaven really is. Then you take it to where you realize, okay, even if the world is billions of years old, that has nothing to do with taking away God's power or what the garden of Eden is or what Adam actually is. Right? So the Bible itself, it's just think of Adam instead of thinking him as the, you know, the first entity or the first human to ever exist in existence. Think of him as the first person that God ever introduced himself to that we know about in the Bible. Uh, right? So the Bible begins with Adam because that's the first time that we know of 
that God has allowed us to know. It's the first person that God introduced himself to. And actually the story of Adam is written 2,500 years after the fact. So Moses is the one that received that knowledge from God, right? And he wrote about the story. He wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So he wrote about a story and he writes about, you know, 2,000 years worth of history. He writes in about 16, 17 chapters. Oh, very, very short, right? Yeah. And then it goes on. And that period from, from Abraham to Moses, when he was chosen, that's only about a 500 year period. And it's the rest of Genesis and all of Exodus, you know, Deuteronomy, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of that is that period when they go into the promised land before, right before they go into the promised land, actually, because Joshua is the one that takes them in there. So (laughs) think about what he's actually writing down. Think about what Moses is writing down. It's not going to be every detail of the history of the world, because that would be, I mean, that would be hundreds of thousands of chapters, right? If it was every detail. So instead, what is God doing? He is showing him the most important parts that we need to know and understand to understand God's plan for the end. One of my other favorite verses, and we talk about Isaiah 55 a lot, but Isaiah 46 verse 10, Isaiah 46 verse 10, it says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is yet to come. So I make known the end. What's the end? Revelation. Revelation. And what happens in Revelation? There's a new heaven heaven and a new earth. Yeah. So it's a new beginning. Yeah. But when did he make it known? He says, I make known the end from where? From Genesis? From the beginning. Exactly. The word Genesis means creation. Right? Mm. So God, he says, I make known the end from the beginning. So from the beginning would be Genesis, but Genesis is making known what? It's making known the end. The end. Yeah. Why does why does God work backwards? <laughs> I mean, why why does He work that way though? I mean, prophecy and fulfillment, proving where it comes from. So God is using Genesis. Is think of Genesis not as a literal creation of the heavens and the earth, but as a blueprint of how God is going to create things at the time of the end. Now, I'm not saying that Adam didn't exist. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying using the story of Adam and creation, right? The Genesis 1, which is the story of creation. Genesis 2, which is the story of Adam. Some people think they're two different creations. They are not. They actually coincide. And understanding the seven days of creation, really six, and the seventh is the the rest, that has everything to do with creation at the time of the first coming and creation at the time of the second coming. It's a blueprint. It's a spiritual blueprint of how God is going to create the heavens and the earth. So actually what would be a really interesting uh, podcast in the future would be actually going through the seven days of creation and how they pertain to revelation. Oh, that would be so much fun. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, we did touch on this in an old episode of the podcast. And I think everyone, it was like, it was unanimous that it was not about physical creation because there's definitely details in there that don't add up. If we were to take it literally. Yeah. But Mm. I don't think we really went through it like in a very detailed manner. When you think about what Genesis was, okay. And we're talking about heaven. This is the most important thing to understand about heaven. So what is heaven? What makes heaven heaven? And I know you guys have talked about this so many times, but it's so important and profound to understand this simple answer, right? So what is it that you guys have talked about over and over again? What makes heaven heaven? God is there. God is. That's it. 
right? There is nothing else that really makes it heaven. If God is not there, then it doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It doesn't matter how many mansions there are or gold streets or whatever it is people want to think about, right? The clouds, the butterflies. Mm -hmm. If God's not there, then that's not not heaven. heaven. But wherever God is, that is heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Because God and heaven, they're together. God is what makes heaven, heaven. If God left heaven and went somewhere else, then it wouldn't be heaven anymore because God is in heaven. And that's what, when you think about going to heaven, you're being with God. That's the purpose, Yeah. right? It's yeah. not, the purpose isn't go, isn't to go to heaven. The purpose is to be with, no, with God in heaven. Yeah. Huh. Doritos. So we have to change your expression. Hey, I want to go to heaven. No, we're going to go say, Hey, we want to go where God is. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And wherever God is, he brings heaven with him right? Because he has his throne and the throne is in heaven. So now think about what heaven is in the time of Genesis. Okay. So wherever God is, that's heaven and it's paradise. There's a verse that's in second, you know, second Corinthians, second uh, Corinthians chapter 10 verses like one through five. And it says that there's three kinds of heaven that it talks about there. Mm. Okay. The way that he describes it, he says, I know a man, I can't go on boasting, but I will boast about somebody else. I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to the third heaven, right? He was caught up to what's called- there's a first and second. Right. There has to be if there's a third. Right. right? It only logically makes sense. So he's caught up to the third heaven, which he calls paradise. Now, what do we call the Garden of Eden? Paradise. Paradise. Assuming, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really what it's equated to, right? They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They were kicked out of paradise. <clears throat> now, when you think about in Revelation, when you go to Revelation chapter two, verse seven, it talks about how the tree of life is in the paradise of God, right? Where is the tree of life in Genesis? The Garden of Eden. It, yeah. Right? So that's what the paradise represents. It represents the spiritual heaven, the spiritual heaven. Now, where was God at the time of Adam? In the was garden he out Eden. somewhere? Amen. Mm-hmm. Say that again. What was it? Where was he? He was walking with Adam, Adam in the garden, in the of, garden Eden, of Eden. Right? Yeah. So think about this. Okay. What makes heaven heaven? Of course, God is there. But right. also, as far as we're concerned, we're, we're living forever with God in heaven. Right? That's the, that's the glory of being in heaven that there's no death. Right? We live forever right? And most people think that you have to die to go to heaven. Like if I were to ask somebody, are you prepared to go to heaven? You know, is your spirit, your spirit prepared? That's what they think. So if I die today, I know I'll go to heaven. So they, they think in their mind, I have to die to go to heaven. Right. Yeah. But doesn't that make God a God of death that he would be making people die to be with him? Right. Yeah. I mean, I do wonder about that. Like if we believe in a good God who wants to bless us and he loves us and he wants to give heaven to us, which is a place where you go after you die, then why are we put here on earth? Like, why did he create this? Well, like, is this some sort of like testing ground? Right. You know, is he that kind of sadistic God who's like, let's see who performs the best. And, you know, if yeah. they- that's actually a common, a common thought that this is, yeah. the, this is the test. <laughs> right? And then the righteous can go and things like that. And I totally understand why people think that. I totally understand it because, you know, it's, that's just all we've known that death exists in the world. 
all men are destined to die, as it says, you know, in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, all men are destined to die. But the reason we're destined to die is because we're all sinners. Right? Mm. Now, where did sin originate? It originated through Adam. That's why it's called the original sin. Right? Sin came through one man, as it says in Romans. And through that one man, all became sinners. And because of that, the wages of sin is death, right? Romans 6.23. So all men die as a result of sin. But before sin, was there death in the Garden of Eden with God and Adam? That's the oh, question. No. Right? Are we just now, assuming? Really, but then no, right? Because yeah. they haven't sinned. So really, really think about this. Like, don't just glance over it because this is like the essence of everything that God truly created. Adam was in the Garden of Eden with God, and he had the right to eat from every tree in the garden except one. So when he says every tree in the garden, that includes the tree of life. And if you eat from the tree of life, what do you receive? Life. Life. <laughs> but more than just life, eternal life. Eternal life. Yeah. Uh, Genesis yeah. chapter three, verse 22. One of the, one of the curses actually that came upon Adam was that the reason he kicked him out of the garden of Eden was because he says he has become like one of us. Right. And I can no longer allow him to reach out and take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So eating from the tree of life is eternal life. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. But yeah. now think about what Adam really had. Adam had was life. In, amen. He had the, the right to receive it. And as long as he continued to eat from that tree and be with God in the Garden of Eden, he would have lived forever. forever. God. But wait, I thought you had to die to go to heaven. But if Adam could live forever, how would he ever go to heaven? Because heaven was created before Adam. Here on in earth. the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep, right? And then if you go on, when does he create man? He creates him on day six. So if you think about it in that sense, heaven and earth was created before Adam. Then he created the garden and he put the man there mm -hmm. and the man could live forever in the garden of Eden. But I thought we had to die to go to heaven, but Adam was meant to live forever. So does that mean that God created heaven and then made it where Adam could never go to heaven? But why would a good God do that? What's the, so, what's the point? So if you were to take it literally, it's not going to match. It's not going to add up. Okay. So where was heaven at the time that Adam was alive? That's the key. And again, heaven is where God is. Heaven is where eternal life is. Heaven is where there is no pain or suffering, right? Aww. Everything is paradise. And where was that paradise? The Garden of Eden. So the Garden of Eden was heaven. heaven. And Adam was in heaven with God. And his job was to rule and subdue the world and make the entire creation heaven. But what happened? Sin. So as a result of that, God left. But it's not just God that left. The entire spiritual kingdom, the entire spiritual realm, the third heaven, paradise, left this physical world. And for 6,000 years, that's what God has desired is to come back. Why am I getting a visual, Instructor Aaron? The whole, I don't know. What's like your visual? This, I, know, I right? don't know. Like this. Oops round thing 
<laughs> like a UFO, like a spaceship. No, not think really like a UFO. Think of a, actually, think of like a cube. <laughs> more of like a shield being lifted Ooh, up. Oh, interesting. You know? But the point is, that's where heaven was to begin with, right? So understanding, when we're understanding the key to heaven and hell, first we have to understand what heaven actually is and what God wants to create. So God is gone. Now he has left. He says, I will not contend with man anymore, right? My spirit will not contend with man in Genesis 6. This is why it says that, you know, God is wanting to dwell with his people, but he's not dwelling with them. So that's why he has Moses build that tabernacle that we've talked about, right? Moses builds that tabernacle in Exodus 25, build it exactly like the pattern I show you. And I will come and dwell among you. If he's already dwelling among us, then he doesn't need, you know, the tabernacle right? But Moses actually, in Hebrews chapter three, it says Moses was someone who was uh, like faithful in all of God's house, but he's actually speaking about things for the future. That's what Moses was. He was also being used prophetically to speak about things in the future. Mm -hmm. The tabernacle itself is not where God really wanted to dwell. He didn't want to dwell in a tent, right? He doesn't want to dwell in the building that Solomon built, says that God doesn't want to dwell in those things. He wants to dwell in us, Amen. Our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Jesus says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. He's talking about him, his own body. It's why Paul said in first Corinthians three, that you are God's building. You are God's temple, right? It's also why in Ephesians or first Peter says you're being built into a spiritual kingdom, right? You yourselves like living stones, right? That kind of thing. So in the time of the first coming, we have to now carry it over from the time of Moses, it was a physical tabernacle, but now in the time of the first coming, where was God dwelling? With Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. Right? You have Matthew 3:16 or 1 John chapter 1, verse 32. The Spirit of God came to become one with the body of Jesus. Jesus' body was the temple. God's spirit was with Jesus, which means where was heaven? Here on earth with Jesus. Amen. This is why the first words that Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. near. He didn't mean that it was floating down somewhere. He didn't mean that the time was, he meant it was literally right there. And actually it even says the kingdom of heaven is among you. In other versions, it actually says the kingdom of heaven is among you, meaning it was him. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it actually says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in his field. How can the kingdom of heaven, something that we've described as being so abstract and so crazy, be like a man? Who was that man? It was Jesus. He was the kingdom of heaven, right? So what does Jesus say? He says to Peter, I bestow upon you the keys to heaven, right? In Matthew 16. He says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven right? So there's a connection. There's a connection. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. How do you, what, what is it that he was binding? What is it that he's releasing? Right? I like, I understood that to mean like, whatever you consider sinful here will be considered sinful in heaven as well. And okay. you know, the opposite, like whatever's cool is cool up there as well. That kind of right. thing. I don't know. Yeah, because if you are binding somebody from going to heaven, basically you're not allowing their sins to be forgiven. Oh. 
right? They had the ability to be able to teach people how to have their sins forgiven. But if they were sinful people that were blaspheming God or things of that nature, then they didn't have, they didn't have to make them understand or give them the understanding to be able to have their sins forgiven. So there's a verse in, this is the really like two, two verses that make it really important. One in Mark chapter four, when he's talking about the parables of heaven, he says, those that understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, you know, they're going to be understanding God. But he says to those who do not understand, right? I'm making it where they do not understand. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Turn oh. and be forgiven. Forgiven of what? Their sins. Their sins. And how do you know, like, how are you able to have your sins forgiven? It was by knowing the parables, right? He says, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but to those on the outside, they will never understand. So what was spoken through Isaiah, they will, you know, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. So by understanding the parables, you are forgiven. By not understanding the parables, you are not forgiven. Does that make sense? So you get the key, key of hell? <laughs> Almost. <laughs> so the key itself. Tina, Tina's right? so funny because you can tell, like, as she's even saying these words in her head, she's like, oh, I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. <laughs> so the key itself, this is the important part where at the time of the first coming, in order to be saved, who did you have to go to? Jesus. Amen. And what was Jesus doing at that time? Like, how did he allow people to be saved? What was he, the whole purpose of him being here was to do what? He was preaching. He was preaching the word of God. Amen. He's preaching the word of God and he's fulfilling the old Testament and he's making them understand all of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But then there were those that were keeping people from him, right? The Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. Well, there's a verse in Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, verse 52, when he's saying, woe to you, woe to you. He says, you take away the keys to knowledge, uh -huh. right? You take away the key to knowledge because you won't allow them to come to me, to Jesus. They are keeping them from the key of knowledge. Now think about what a key does. It opens and it shuts things, right? Mm -hmm. What is a parable? A parable is something that has a secret truth within it. And only the person who understands the parable can actually explain it to others. So if I give you the understanding of the parable, if I give you the understanding of the figurative language, if I explain everything to you in detail where you can open up the parable, right? Psalms 119 verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple unfolding of your word. So when Jesus spoke the parable, he did it in a way that was secret. But then what did he give to Peter? He gave him the knowledge and the understanding of the figurative language. This is why they spoke in that way. First Peter chapter one, verse 23, he says, you have been born again by the imperishable seed of God. Why do you think he spoke that way? Why is he speaking in figurative language about seeds and being born again? Because Jesus taught him about the figurative language. Now, if he taught that to somebody else, they can learn it and be freed from their sin by believing in Jesus, believing in the truth, believing in his teachings and accepting Jesus into their heart. 
But if they never learn the parables, if he says, I will not teach you the parable, you will never learn the figurative language. He is keeping that. He's binding them. And if they're bound here on earth, they're bound in heaven. Wow, that's a lot of authority that Peter got. Amen. But it wasn't yeah. just him that received it. Oh, so it all the disciples. This is where now, of course, there's going to be a little controversy when it comes to certain, you know, denominations of churches. But if you think about it, all of the disciples of Jesus knew the figurative language. This is why James talked about being born and being the first fruits. Right. He says, we have, it... uh, so when Peter received that knowledge, he doesn't keep it to himself. Of course, he gives that knowledge and they in turn give it to the people that learn that word. Anyone who learns the word of truth receives that key, just like you are receiving now. Uh, that was my question. Like, so do you have the key and are you giving it to us? Like, <laughs> you know, is that Think what's going like on here? Think Am about I it like ready this. for the key instructor? <laughs> I know, right? Anything? Well, well you lost God, mine. Right? Yeah, so, that's okay. You know. <laughs> but if you think about it like this, okay, so you have the parables right now. And if I were to ask you guys about the parable, okay, mm -hmm. so the kingdom of heaven is like, you know, a mustard seed that's planted into a field and it grows to be a tree. So if I were to ask you, well, what does the seed represent? The word. word. Okay. What does the field represent that it's planted in? A person's heart. Amen. What is the tree that it grows up to become? I don't know. A Sarah, person. I no, a tree is a person, right? Yeah, the, the inner person born again of the seed of the word, oh. right? And then what's the bird that comes and perches in the branches? Spirit. The bird is spirit. Amen. That's heaven. Heaven is like a person who has been born of the word, who grows as a result where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell with them. God is with that person and that person becomes one with heaven. You have just unlocked that parable. Oh my gosh, you're ready. See what I mean? Sam. I'm going to look for your key now. Bye, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that is but not a good omen. Language, if you didn't know the figurative language, could you unlock that? No. No. So the figurative language is the key. It's the knowledge and the wisdom to know something. That's what the key represents. The figurative key is the knowledge and wisdom to know something. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like a lot of things just kind of fell into place. I think listening to all of this, which I cannot articulate to save my life, but it's, you know, <laughs> it's like in my head. Um, Revelation chapter one, verse 18, Jesus says he has the keys to death and Hades, right? So oh, we know yeah. he has the keys to heaven, which is the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Because a secret is something that's, well, it's hidden, but he has the knowledge. He has the key to open it. And he gave that key or knowledge to Peter. Peter, in turn, gave it to, you know, the other disciples as well. Jesus was also teaching them, but Peter was something very special. We know that. Now, in the time of Revelation, he says, I have the keys to death and Hades as well. So who is the one that we always associate death and Hades with? Satan. Satan. Amen. And Jesus is the one who truly knows and understands how Satan works, right? So he can identify and reveal who Satan is using at any given time. Oh, yeah. From the yeah. time of the first coming, when he was calling the Pharisees and scribes, you know, vipers, whitewashed oh. tombs, he was actually identifying who, what spirit was using it, you know, using them. Right. So in the time of Revelation, it's no different. In Revelation, there are certain people that are going to be used by Satan, but nobody in the world is going to be able to know that. They're not going to be able to identify it. 
but Jesus is going to make that known to the promised pastor, right? To that one person, the one who overcomes, that person is going to have that knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to be able to reveal that to the world as well. So that key represents the ability to, to identify or make known the knowledge of Satan as well. The key to death in Hades right. is to know Satan's secrets as well. And so in Revelation, that key is used for different things, including to lock Satan up for that thousand years. Because think about it this way, okay? If you have a con artist, right? You guys know a con artist, right? Okay. Sure, sure. I went if out with is... one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. And I went out with three. three of them, <laughs> and you need to learn your lessons, right? <laughs> If he's scamming people, but you know how he's scamming people, and then you make that scam known to others, will they be scammed any longer? No. And this is why people share about, you know, like on Facebook, like, guys, this is what I went through. Be careful. Like that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, right? Exactly. So in the end, if Satan is no longer able to hide or to work in secret, but if everyone's able to understand how Satan works, who he works through, be able to identify the actual actions of Satan, the words of Satan, all of that, then he's captured, right? So so is that what we mean by Satan being captured? And I don't know if locked away also means the same thing, is like his identity and who he's using and how he's working, all of this is now revealed. He's exposed. Is that what we mean by that? Yes, yes, (sighs) because he has no place to work anymore. Right? It says that hide. he's locked in the abyss for a thousand years to no longer deceive the nations. Right. So it's, there's a, there's like an, an Eastern proverb that says that, that the devil is captured by truth. Ooh. Right. The devil is captured by truth and the chain that's being used to lock him up. You can think of the chain as like all the scriptures in the, in the Bible, all linking together to where you can understand how Satan worked in the garden of Eden, how he worked in the time of the first coming. And of course, how he works today. And by doing that, you have effectively locked him out of your heart, your mind, you know, your spirit, and you have revealed him to the world. So when everybody learns what he's done and how he's done it, he can no longer, he can no longer work in that way. And that's why I'd it's like that time. key, please. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what all of these teachings actually are. All of these teachings are revealing that that spiritual key for anyone who chooses to listen at this time. I was just about to ask your instructor, Aaron, so what kind of key did Chairman Lee receive? Right? Yeah. Revelation chapter 10, right? That open book, that open scroll, that knowledge and that wisdom. That's, that's the understanding. The fact that he witnessed all the events, that's the key to knowledge, the key to heaven. Right? And the fact that he has fought and overcome the dragons group, So he knows exactly how Satan works. He knows exactly who Satan's been working through. And so he has the key to death in Hades as well. Why? Because Jesus was the one that gave it to him. Allowed him that understanding. We're marinating. Yeah. Yeah. You know, things settle. Yeah. And that's why knowing heaven is helpful. That's why knowing what heaven is, is important because it gives you that understanding that when heaven is being created, you have to be able to identify it. And the only way to identify it is by knowing 
the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. The only way by knowing the secrets of the kingdom of heaven is someone has to reveal it. That's why it's the, the three kinds of heaven and the key in one lesson. Because once you have that key, you can identify heaven being created on this earth. And that's the greatest gift that God can ever give. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't have a mistake. Oh, oh, go ahead. No, I said I wish I could just like have like milk tea with Chairman Lee one of these days and talk about heaven. I'm just like <laughs> wishing. <laughs> you know, it would be like, I don't know. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know what to ask him first. Yeah. No, I mean, again, you know, please don't mistake my silence for like not appreciating the stuff. You know what I mean? Like, because it's, I don't, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. No, it's pretty, something. it's pretty yeah. big, right? <laughs> oh. It is, it is. And I mean, again, even just on this podcast, we've talked about how, yes, we understand the plan, the end of the salvation plan to be for heaven to come down. I think on this conversation, we got to cover like, why did it have to come down in the first place? Where was it in the <clears throat> beginning? Was it always up there somewhere? Because yes, when we look in the book of Genesis, we know that God was dwelling here on earth, but something went wrong. And Adam then, sinned. And then the whole, you know, rest of the Bible ensued. And now here we are, and we're talking about revelation, but how is that heaven coming down actually going to take place? Like, Give me details, concrete details of how this is supposed to happen and how are we supposed to recognize that because the book of Revelation talks about it. But as we say, and I think many agree, it's written in this figurative spiritual text, right? And then that's where the parables come in. And I don't know. I mean, my head is kind of swimming in a good way. And for all of our listeners who also just sat through this conversation with us, you know, I think we will take some time to marinate on this. And as instructor Aaron said, this is the last one. This is the last of the parables. And so if you want to go back to the beginning and listen to the whole thing again, and then try to read Revelation with everything that you've picked up. Oh, you know, that would be, no, that would be interesting. It would, it yeah. would be, it would be interesting. Yeah. And yeah, you would have to go back to like episodes that were, that are eight months old. <laughs> it took us eight months to get to the end of the parables but yeah that is the end of the parables instructor Aaron. yeah tina how do you i feel i feel weird i feel like we should celebrate or something instructor Aaron, thank you so much for not just this conversation but all the conversations that we've had on this podcast sharing with us this key which are the parables to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven and yeah, I think we're all just going to go and um, marinate right? <laughs> a little bit. And definitely have to I, listen to it again, right? <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why, like, I know this is only part of the testimony that you guys are sharing right now, but I really feel like, you know, a chapter has ended, hmm. like a chapter has ended on this podcast. And I don't know, it's, I don't know. I'm feeling a little emotional or something, yeah. but and well, I'm thinking like, to be I'm, a part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking about like Burns and Brother J. Paul and Insta Harry and Insta Abby, everybody who who came and were part of this um, series. The series, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, 
I'm not sure if we're going to continue on to the next parts of the testimony because all of that stuff you are doing in your church as well. And it's all online. You guys are available online seminars for free. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I kind of feel like, you know, maybe on the next episode, we're, we're going to find out, like, are we going to redirect our steps a little bit? Or are we going to continue on, on that road to revelation? We're not sure, but I hope you guys stick around to find out. I think as um, you, yes. Instructor Aaron's going to quiz us on parables on the next episode. Uh, (laughs) I'm joking. There will be no next episode. And yeah, for all of our listeners, we're going to go back to this stuff. And if you guys have any questions, you can email it to the narrow podcast at gmail.com. And we will promptly send it over to instructor Aaron and he will <laughs> answer those questions for you. Forward. But yeah, thank you so much to everyone who journeyed with us through this road to revelation series. It's been a very amazing experience you know, to be able to testify it in this way. Uh, This is, I'm sure, you know, as it's very new for the listeners, it's also extremely new for me to be able to speak it in this way. Um, So it was very interesting to try to make it in a way that is digestible, you know, for the listeners. And I've been listening back to the podcast. And, you know, one thing I always want to apologize if I, if I talk too much, but I, but I really want to explain it well. That's one thing. And, and the other, it's, it's just so fascinating. I love talking about it. But I also like answering you know, questions. And I really hope that anyone that is listening to this, they, if they have questions, right? They don't just put them aside, but they actually you know, try to find out the answers to those things. And really use this information. That's the most important thing. Realize you know, what time that we're living in. So I just really hope that anybody that is listening um, that it inspires them to want to know more about the Bible. That's the most yeah. important thing. You know, if this inspires you to want to know more about the Bible, to understand more about, you know, what God is doing today with his people, for his people, then, you know, that that would be amazing. So that's all. I just want to say thank you guys for that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you also. And yeah, we're going to end it there. Um, we'll see you again on the next episode of the Narrador podcast. Wow. I feel like, you know, it's like sad up in here or something. We're <laughs> Don't not, be. We're oh, we got celebrate. a lot more to talk about. Yeah. yeah. We're going to, we're going to end this recording and we're going to go celebrate. Okay. That's what we're going to do. So yeah. we'll see you on the next Do you want to end it with a quiz? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye guys. <laughs>